welcome everybody to this week's episode of the OG Ops Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Henderson. I'm joined by your co-host, Brandon Redlinger. Brandon? As usual. Hey, hey, how's it going? You had to say the as usual because I didn't say it. It really bothered you, didn't I? (laughs) You have been Pavlovian conditioned to join me as usual. As usual. Well, good to see you again today, second time, NBD. But we are joined by Connor Jeffers, the CEO of Aptitude 8. Connor, do you want to give a little shout out to the audience? Yeah, sure. What's up, everybody? As usual. (laughs) Not (laughs) Not as usual. brand, Brand new to the OG Ops podcast, but not brand new to the world of ops. So I guess counts as OG. I'm not sure what the low threshold for shipping. So we're all good. It's a very low threshold for shipping this episode out the door. So Connor, you founder and CEO elite HubSpot partner. We were just shooting the shit about HubSpot because I love HubSpot as a marketing CRM, but the HubSpot marketing partnership marketplace is just blowing up. There's just it's everywhere, yeah. man. It's yeah. everywhere. So we're, yeah. I actually, I run two businesses in, in the HubSpot ecosystem. So you have Aptitude 8, which I'll call A8. A8 is a professional services organization. We do implementation, integration, optimization, all on HubSpot platform. So focused a lot on CRM platform stuff. We do a lot across all of the hubs and sort of either help companies build really cool stuff sort of with HubSpot as the core or help people who are using HubSpot solve cool, exciting, interesting problems across the board. And then the secondary business is Happily, which is a software company where we're building applications on top of HubSpot. We have a handful in the mix today. And then HubSpot put an investment into that business, which we announced a couple months oh, ago. Oh, nice. Ago, a month Congrats, ago, man. From the HubSpot venture side. So we're doing all stuff HubSpot. And my background pre-HubSpot <laughs> was deep in the Salesforce and sort of other ecosystems as well. So as much as I'm a big HubSpot advocate, my most technical skill set to this day is still on the Salesforce side. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. There you go. That's cool. Yeah. Because I hate the Salesforce versus HubSpot thing. Like, use the one that's right for you. Changes, I agree. Yeah, yeah. People want to like die on those hills. Why? <laughs> like, yeah. there's multiple, they're both great products. They don't have to, like, yeah. they're not mutually exclusive. Cool. Okay. So then today, I feel like I have to give like a bit of backstory how we landed here. Connor and I were pinging back and forth and we were trying to figure out what are we going to talk about. And then Anna messaged me and said, we should talk about attribution. And I said, sure. And then Connor said, no, which I was very grateful for. Because usually I make that. <laughs> You're always avoiding uh, attribution. I, I, I didn't. Connor can back me up. Yeah. My answer on attribution is I was like, I, we can talk about attribution, but my answer on attribution is not real. This is why it would be really problematic because my answer is very similar. Screw attribution. So like, like it, it would be a really hard episode is what I'm saying. <laughs> so it wouldn't be that different either, but I think yeah. there's some use in it. We're not going to talk about it. I think my inbound talk, which I have to finish writing, is on attribution. So if you're in Boston, <laughs> I'll tell you all about my strong opinions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. On how that goes. Maybe we'll have you back. Yeah. So then we were pinging back and forth. Like, what are we going to talk about? And we should talk about commerce-powered CRM. And internally, I went, what the hell is commerce-powered CRM? And externally, I said, yeah, sounds great. Let's just do that because I have no idea what it is because I'm a really responsible podcast host and everybody knows this. I did exactly zero minutes of powered CRM is. So, Connor, I want to talk about it because I'm very interested. I want to learn things about it. But you want to be like... You're teaching a four-year-old. Tell us about commerce power. Absolutely. When we think about that, it's something we're actually talking a bunch about these days. But traditionally, CRM platforms, right? You have your sales team in there, your marketing team maybe in there, your service team in there. You have all sort of interactions and data points on customer pieces. But usually for organizations, their commerce data, which is sort of 
who's paying us, how much have they paid us, when's the last time that they paid us, and some of those pieces is outside of CRM entirely. And so what a lot of organizations do is they try to figure out a way of like, oh, well, let's like have this deal value and we'll put that in there and we'll have TCV and ACV or whatever else on our CRM reporting. But then you go ask the CFO and they have like, completely different metrics and completely different numbers, and everyone gets really frustrated. And so when we think about commerce-powered CRM is it's how can you get all of that commerce data into your core CRM infrastructure and combine it so you can do cool and interesting things, have the same numbers that your finance team has on how Mm. your customers are performing and everything else. But then you can start using a lot of that data to both put it in front of your sellers and your CSMs and your success and your support people. You can use it to route and control and manage a lot of your different communications or a lot of your different engagement streams. And you can do lots of cool and interesting things with all of that information. And so commerce-powered CRM is sort of the unification. How do I get all of my commerce data on who are my customers? How much do they pay me? How do they pay me? When do they pay me? And get all of that into your core CRM infrastructure so that you can do lots of cool and interesting ops stuff with that data. So is it, is you, it mainly for B2B or B2C? I mean, like that more? was my question, actually. Yeah. yeah, not at all. No. So when oh, we think okay. about this, yeah, so we have sort of two use cases we run into most frequently that we can give you as an example. So one is ERP, right? So yeah. lots of people use NetSuite or maybe you use sort of Sage Dynamics, all these different pieces. And usually organizations have both who is my customer, which products have they purchased, especially think of consumption-driven businesses. So a simple example Mm. for that is you're a manufacturer, you produce some type of product, a consumable medical technology, med tech stuff, anything where you have kind of this ordering mechanic. Who is my customer? When's the last time they ordered? What did they order? How much of it did they order? All of that really powers the sales and marketing workflows that I want to deploy against this customer to say, they normally order this many vials. We have a new product. They have a service line that aligns to this product. We should sell them this thing. And let's kick off sales and marketing actions against that customer. But that same philosophy can be applied to even something sort of as traditional as like a B2B SaaS organization, which is how much is this customer paying? What product lines do they have activated? Do we have additional Mm. products we could be selling them? And sophisticated organizations are typically getting that connected and integrated back in. And you can do lots of really cool, interesting things with it. So mixed between inventory management, CRM automation, uh, payment processing. Think about it less as inventory and more of what is this customer buying? So not necessarily Hmm. how many of these things do we have to sell, but what are they buying from us? How much of it have they purchased? When's the last time that they purchased it? And having so, it and being able to store all of that. So I'm just trying to play this out because this sounds really cool. I've done some of this with like ERP, right? NetSuite back in yeah. the Salesforce that sellers can see. It's like directionally what we're talking about. Although I think you're talking about a much more advanced version of that <laughs> than, sure. than like just putting the billing data back into Salesforce, which is helpful in a lot of ways just in itself. But when you're thinking about it in terms of you can start to trend customers are buying this are also buying this and therefore we should use marketing assets to go after people who bought this with this ad specifically and we should have sellers go after these folks because they've been purchasing this and like you can basically start to model that sort of targeting out to your top of funnel is that what we're talking about yep. Yeah, exactly. So think about the common use case that we saw. I'm so much better at this than Brandon. I'm already so <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Look at that. Yeah, sure. It's not even close. <laughs> like, I'm ready to spill it. Let's rock and roll. Yeah, he's a pro uh, already. Yeah. yeah. I'll give, right? So I'll do a plug on a Happily product, but only because it's relevant. So one of the Happily products we have is Zebra, which is a Stripe integration. So we basically take the whole Stripe data model. We take all of your Stripe data. We push it into your HubSpot CRM. We rebuild all the stuff. We have subscription objects, transaction objects, like live syncing between the two things. And 
what happens is, is your CRM infrastructure. So it's not just about having the data there. It's about how you can start to use CRM functionality on top of that data. So we have a Zapier customer. This isn't something we intended. They've moved their entire accounts receivable recognition, follow-ups, following up on overdue customers. They've moved all of that into HubSpot because they just built a dashboard on what are all my Stripe invoices? When were they paid? What's overdue? Who's the customer? Do we have open deals with them? Yeah. And they're trying to make, I have sales reps that are requesting approval on quotes to these customers and those customers. The account management team has got to be just logging that dashboard, right? Exactly. Okay. And you can start to use that for your approval flows, any of your engagement stuff, taking yeah. that commerce data and powering your CRM. With you can even use it prior to our support tickets. Totally. Things like exactly. that, right? Like yeah. absolutely. Yes. Okay. My biggest question, because I get the use, the value of it is basically unfathomable because there's so many creative ways you could do things with that, right? Like basically what you're using for a lot of ways is create more pipeline, create more revenue, however you want, because there will be triggers or indicators that show you here's people you can target for new marketing, outbound, upsells, better support across the board. Use it in a lot of, we couldn't even list all the ways and it'll change company to company. How do you know when a company is ripe for it? And what I mean by that for the most part is I get a lot of companies that are like, hey, we should go buy six cents. And 95% of the time, you're not ready to buy six cents. <laughs> you guys aren't even like properly handling the demand gen leads that are coming. In. Like maybe we should button up like the core basics and figure out your sales process and like field leads appropriately. And then when we get there and then like actually start doing a little outbound, then we'll worry about six cents, right? And I call that like ripeness. Like you're not ripe for six cents yet, right? You've got to get all sure. the way to that place. When is somebody ripe for this? Yeah. So I think earlier that you unify these data sets, not dissimilar from, right, like let's put our marketing data and our sales data and our service data in one place and that's going to help us in a bunch of ways. I, candidly, I think that commerce data is really just another component of that. It's a piece of your customer relationship and arguably maybe one of the most important pieces that I think in most CRM environments is totally missing. So I think earlier is better, but I think that it's a function of prioritization. So if you're really looking at this, and I think this kind of follows standard organizations as they start to really operationalize how they're doing things, which is usually it starts with sales because sales is chaos. You have all these pieces. You got to get some ops. You got to get some pipeline. Like We can't forecast. We don't know what's going on. Let's fix that and get that in there. Once you're going to have the sales process, you might start saying, let's figure out the marketing function so that we can organize what's coming in and really route it to sales and we're not leaving money on the table and missing stuff. And then I think organizations naturally trend over to service and they start to optimize that piece. And I think yep. commerce really comes naturally after that. So I don't think it has to be marketing sales and service is perfect and don't touch commerce until that's the case. But if you're really strapped on resources and you're like marketing operations infrastructure is a total disaster, I think it's reasonable to say, let's solve that first okay. before we start going and doing commerce. But I think it naturally extends because the power of the commerce powered CRM infrastructure is really going to be unlocked by what you do on your sales ops and your marketing ops and your service ops and the whole rev ops piece. That, you don't that have makes that, a ton like, of sense. You're yeah. just creating noise. If you don't have good marketing ops and good sales ops and process on those two things, you're going to have a lot of commerce data anyways, is my guess. <laughs> so <laughs> Right, exactly. You can sell some things to generate that commerce data. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What a nice say. problem to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I've got too much commerce data. Like, oh, well, you know, it's, oh no, poor you. <laughs> I think I was thinking about that wrong because I was thinking about it more comparably to like six cents, but the overall, the core premise behind me in those situations saying, no, you're not ready for six cents is you're not ready to spend a hundred thousand dollars on that yet. Right. It's a huge investment. You're not going to use it. It's a waste of money right now. 
might be good. In two I think you're also seeing like Salesforce and Stripe, right? Stripe just really enhanced their Salesforce integration and is pushing a lot more stuff over to Salesforce and these other pieces. HubSpot has sort of payments and they're trying to push and expand into that. And I think HubSpot payments is much more of an SMB type of mm -hmm. play. But the reality is, is I think they're really looking at it as they're evaluating their customer base and saying, these customers are trying to digitize portions of their business. And one of the on-ramps that these prospects could theoretically have to us is, I need to get paid online. I need to charge somebody for a meeting. I need to send somebody an invoice. How can I do that? And it's like, oh, we have payments. And so they come on to HubSpot's universe, kind of the same way that if you think about Intuit and MailChimp and sort of what they're building on that, that SMB structure, I think you have the same concept, which is digitizing payments is a natural on-ramp for CRM companies. And as they're starting to look at doing more of those pieces, and I think similarly, we'll see it at the higher end of the market where larger organizations are saying, this is a section that we haven't successfully digitized. And we really want to empower our go-to-market teams with this data. And we think that they can do cool things with it. And obviously, it's a lot harder when you're a lot more complex and you have yeah. multiple Stripe accounts and ERPs and multiple countries. Yeah. and, and 50,000 SKUs in multiple and countries and multiple currencies. I have three SKUs, but I actually have 50 of them represented here because we changed it so many times. And <laughs> yeah. legacy plans. Yeah. You've yeah. never been through a Zor implementation. Like it's just, it's that. All I time. mean, any CPQ in history, like I've only ever heard mythical tales of like good <laughs> CPQ. That's yeah. like people like, oh, this one company I was at eight years ago, it was great. Like, yeah, it probably wasn't. You got rose colored, colored glasses eight years later. <laughs> you didn't uh, know what you didn't know back then. Yeah, yeah. It was great it in 2015. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Felt really good back then, didn't it? Okay. So I think I'm clear on what it is. I can see why it's important. And so my next question, it's a really interesting topic. And, and also, I love the idea of just getting it in anyways, because it doesn't have to be linear, right? Like if that data is in there, you right. might use it earlier rather than later. Just put it in there and then you might not use it for a while and then you'll use it again. Making the data available is going to make your whole revenue organization more streamlined and efficient and powerful. Good marketers, Brandon, will figure out how to use it for product marketing and all sorts there of things. So my next question, how do you actually do this? Because <laughs> yeah. you were talking in theory, but is there like their tool that you use? By the way, I never ask that question because I hate pitching tools on here. But so there, is there a tool that totally, you use I think there's a handful. through direct integrations? Or how yeah. do you do well, it? Also, who's responsible so I think it's a for it? Yeah, that's also yeah, a good also question. A Who question. and how? Who, how, why, what, where? Who, <laughs> how, how, why, what? He knows everything. Just give me the things. <laughs> so I think in terms of, we can do how first and then we can do maybe. I think how depends on level of maturity, right? So if you're a very mature organization, maybe you already have some data warehousing stuffs and you're already piping up. What we see in a lot of organizations with high degrees of sophistication, maybe they have a data team, the, the finance or product organization has put some of this together. They're like, oh yeah, we have a data warehouse. I send all my product data there. I kick all my data from NetSuite there and I like query on top of it. And that's how our CFO gets reports for our board. <laughs> Reverse ETL, Magical problem, right? You're like, oh, you have this data and it's in a data warehouse. You can go connect something high touch really easily to that. You can pipe it back to your CRM really easily. Snowflake is sort of the source. You set the destination as Salesforce, HubSpot, CRM of your choice. You pipe it down. If you yeah. already have that data in a really accessible place, that's probably the right solution. If you don't have that in place and or you need a higher level of functional utilization of that data, you probably want to get a connector that is designed to not just pass the data, but sort of make it accessible on the other side. So okay. in the Salesforce universe, there's a company called Blackthorn. They have a payments product, connects to Stripe, 
puts all your Salesforce data there. And what's cool about that is not just the sync piece, you can actually empower sort of people in Salesforce to edit and augment and upgrade and downgrade all of their Stripe data right from Salesforce. Zebra is the same concept in the HubSpot universe. And then if you're going to ERPs, there's a bunch of these sort of purpose-built ERP to CRM connectors. And that's if you sort of need more functionality. And, and you need a consultant for those. Let me just say that out loud. Because <laughs> you should not Absolutely. do the NetSuite to CRM yourself. Just you just shouldn't just just log do it. Months. Yeah, this guy's tech savvy. You can do it. Nope, hire a consultant. I can just tell you. Would agree with that. We can help you. Give me a call. Not do too much plugging, but we do a lot of these. But I think to your point, right? Like these can get really complicated and messy. And then I think that the other middle ground is iPass level infrastructure. So I usually don't like people doing full iPass platforms for one specific use case. But if you have a lot of these sort of, we have a bunch of disparate systems, we need to integrate and orchestrate them all. How can we do that? Things like Syncery and sort of products in that arena are are really good at that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think you can start setting a lot of that up. So I think it kind of depends on What's your level of infrastructure? What do you have today? And what's going to make the most sense? But it's totally a solvable problem. I think that dovetails really nicely into who. My argument is usually the RevOps folks. And the reason for that is you might need support from T or data or some of these other people. Since where it's like a data warehouse, there's probably a data totally. scientist that's been managing that and they'll partner with RevOps. Someone has it and they're like, what tables yeah. do I need? And they're going to be like, oh, well, it's kind of over here. And yeah. extrapolate yeah. it this way. Like ask that guy, be like, I need a table with these fields. And he'll be like, oh, okay, I'll get you one of those. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Find um, the guy with but, the glasses. But, He'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) The reason that I think that RevOps makes a lot of sense for that is that ultimately, if all you do is integrate it and pipe the data in, you really need to make it functionally useful for both your automation infrastructure, your CS users, your sales users. And like, I think the RevOps team is, is usually the folks that sort of have a mind of where can we leverage this and how can we put it into the right place and how can we operational just sync it? Because if you just pipe in every transaction that exists into a transaction table. And you're just like, look, like I have all my transactions in CRM. I did it. We won. Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> Congrats. What do I do with this? And, yeah. and I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. That's the same question, right? And I think a lot of companies struggle with that. Well, it's not the same, but it's the next question. Watching RevOps over the past 10 years, it's sales used to have the data, marketing had the data, CS had their data. And then we went to sales, marketing, CS all should look at the same data as each other. And that's like a good idea, great. Like general direction, we're all like, yeah, great. High five, everybody. That's cool. You know, that was sort of happening. And we kind of got to this phase, I think this is probably a couple of years ago, where it was like, you know what? Sales, marketing, and CS should also get product usage data into yeah. their stuff, right? And that would be really helpful. And I think that one, it's awesome. I think it's really powerful. But I still think people are still kind of like, great, what do I do with it? They haven't totally action it in all the ways that it can be actioned. My guess is this is kind of in a similar boat where it's like, yeah, we should have all that in there. But then people are like, wait, what do we do with it? That's an awesome comparison. Because I think that what happened is it's kind of like ops ends up being this in-between layer of we have all this data, we can do all these things, but how do we make that usable and actionable? Not dissimilar from product data, right? Piping to sales rep of like, this is your target account. Look at all these things that they're doing in our product. And I don't, Hide tap. <laughs> like, I yeah. just don't, yeah. like, that seems like a lot. And I think if you have the RevOps infrastructure on top to be like, oh, cool, how can I take that data, sort of create some degree of buying intent out of it, surface a, an opportunity for a rep that's, hey, you should go talk to them about insert SKU here because of these reasons. And the rep's like, oh, this is awesome. I can right. do stuff with this. This is actionable. And I yeah. think that putting that ops layer in between makes sure that what you end up getting out of that data becomes useful. I love where you're going with this because I think that's the way... I did this product data. Actually, the company Brandon and I worked out together. 
we did like the piping of product usage data into Salesforce for the reps. And the way we sort of did that on our backside was obviously we were managing that process. But when we got a kind of list of here's all the potential data points we could get out of the product into Salesforce. And before we piped it in, we went to the head of sales with the list and said, here's the list of things we could do. Spend a week, brainstorm all the ways you might want to use this, right? And then come back to us and tell us how you want to use it. Because that's going to inform how we pipe the data in, how we present yeah. it, how we deliver it. Totally. I need to understand how you're going to use it. And as an ops guy, I can guess, but I'm not going to guess right. Go to the salesperson. Go to the marketing person. Ask them, if I could get you this, how would you want to use it? Because it's going to inform how you do that. And then it'll actually be actionable. And it'll be much better. Honestly, I think that what you just described to me is sort of the foundational element, those pieces, where it's no different than product management. If you're like, what do you actually Same. want? Yeah. What's supposed to happen on the other side? Yeah, what do you want? Do this what do you want to get out of this? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I honestly, I don't think that question gets asked. Oh, that's good. No, because I wouldn't say it out loud. I think oftentimes we're moving fast and we make assumptions and we're like, you know what? Of course they want that delivered this way on this object in this place. Maybe they don't. Maybe they want to use it somewhere else. Maybe it's more important somewhere else, right? Because there's workflow components of it. There's understanding and comprehension. And that leads into the next question, which is adoption. What does adoption of doing this look like? And I'm assuming you would. So when you do this for people you work with, you take it all the way through like enablement? Yeah. So when yeah. we, and, and I'll speak about this both from, we do a lot of this work for organizations and I'm on different ERPs. I've got NetSuite. I've got whatever's going on. Right. And so we do that on the services side and then not dissimilarly on the happily side with, with Zebra, sort of the app that's in the mix. Right. It's like, we see that for a lot of different customers. Enablement, what does it actually manifest into is, okay, we have all this data and it's here. So I think the first thing that we really see immediate like wow this is awesome is all of a sudden sales and marketing and finance like have the same revenue number and that alone goes a really really long way because go. more often than not board reporting like, oh, is just good now that is <laughs> changed board reporting yeah. yeah totally and instead you're just like a couple of minutes ago your vp of sales got up here and told me that you had this number and you have a different number and you're like what's the right number and the ceo just dies inside like, yeah even your attribution number is the same as marketing i mean even though attribution is trash <laughs> like <laughs> your numbers are the same it's you gotta good. be aligned <laughs> I think that the reporting alignment is one piece. I think the secondary piece is like, how can we start deploying this into, I think marketing workflows is huge, right? We can be engaging people and marketing to them on ancillary and connected offerings. I can't tell you how often like the core problem that we run into for marketers abound is there. I just want to create this segment of customers of product X that don't have product Y, but, and have come to marketing event in the last 12 months. You know, it's like the crazy stringing together of like, yeah, something work. And so I think you solve a lot of that problem. And then I think the deployment down to CS is one you immediately latch onto, right? I can automatically drive all of my renewal and expansion and all of those pieces, because I'm not pulling a list every month from whatever system to say, oh, this is their last close date. But then we go in and we exclude all the people who happen to actually buy this thing and don't call those people because they're in an open conversation for an expansion or they're escalating and negotiating. Because it all billing. exists in one place so you can because see. it's all in one place. So now I just yeah. know. And I'm powering that and driving the right folks to engage with the right people with the right data at the right time. The right, uh, yeah, yeah. The... <laughs> <laughs> the, the RevOps motto. The rev mantra, so, right? Because <laughs> as you're saying this, I'm assuming, because where I'm going with this, and this is, I think, the biggest pain point for most sales reps at a lot of companies, is you could use this to create directionally pretty good transparency and expected commissions because you have all the commerce data in your CRM. So you could do so a lot really of that. Cool. 
sales reps would love yeah. to be able to see their commissioning in Salesforce, wouldn't they? Absolutely. And you're like, oh yeah, this is the answer. Personally, I've written sure, a lot. Sure. I mean, as a lawyer, I've written a lot of comp plans. Lawyer plus RevOps is the first thing they ask you to do. Like, can you write a comp plan? Like, oh, wow, this is great. Yeah, this is perfect. Covers both bases. Comp plans should be simple. They should be definitely simple enough that I can pump them into a couple of formula fields and give you, you know. a directionally right answer. <laughs> I just, and, I've seen too know. many where we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that no, no. Not for this product and these. It's not just like the same as CPQ. Right. Just like, like theoretically, as long as you have a good, yes. good commission uh, plan, you could do something like that. So yeah. what we're doing right now that's super interesting, it's like a really good example of this that we didn't even really plan on doing. But with Happily, we're launching kind of this whole partner program going after HubSpot partners and saying, hey, we have all these apps that you can just sell them and distribute them to your existing customers. And like that's becoming a channel and we're paying sort of 20% on a subscription, like standard sort of like affiliate model stuff, right? But what's interesting is because every transaction that actually a partner originates comes into our CRM from Stripe via Zebra, so we like have every single one, we can actually relate all those to the partner have all of the transactions that all of their affiliate customers have driven connected to their company record, and then using CMS Hub on HubSpot, build them a portal, all HubSpot native, that they can log into that shows them, here's all the transactions, here's your percentage payout of the transactions, here's oh, the next awesome. date, and we're embedding a Stripe Express link that they can just click, and then it auto-enriches everything, and that's just all built on top of CRM. Like, we don't have to go buy partner yeah, stack yeah. and wire all this stuff up. Like, it's just straight that's on top awesome. of the CRM system. Nice. That's awesome. It's Power been CRM. like <laughs> commerce powered CRM. That's the first time I've ever heard the phrase. So I it's was just the uh, same. Yeah. yeah, like I don't think it'll be the last time. Although I think some branding teams might get a hold of it and change. The You're going to have somebody <laughs> Marketers doing what raises they do. $5 million to build commerce powered CRM for enterprise. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. CPCRM is just too long. So we got to like figure out how to like <laughs> that up a little bit. Five yeah, you know an acronym's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah CPCRM. Yeah, exactly. Nailed it. We just put a little copyright on that trademark. All right. Heard it here first. Anything else, or I got to segue us? What do you got? We kind of were touching on it a little bit here, but there's so many different ways that I think you could measure commerce power with CRM, right? So for means you could probably do retention, you could probably do satisfaction, efficiency. What are the main KPIs that you're using to measure commerce power with CRM? Is this working or like, do yeah, you, exactly. Is it working? Is it being used, adopted, that sort of stuff? Yeah, it's a great question. I don't know. I mean, I don't jump. I think the basics would probably be how much reporting do we have that's built on top of this stuff is probably a good first pass. And do people access that reporting, right? Secondary. Here's this dashboard, yeah. but it hasn't been it's accessed. It's actually like in internal days. usage like, here. Like, are you guys using this stuff that we just built you? Yeah, we yeah. made it for yeah. you, but do you care? And <laughs> sad <rubber>. That's <laughs> never happened before. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there's sort of the usage piece. I think the secondary piece is kind of the automation engine as well. I think we do a lot that we think about for internal RevOps teams. Is RevOps should be doing NPS with the org. Like yes, how, absolutely. How are, we, like, are you getting yes. things? Is this helping? Like what's going so on? So important. Like, pacing against that. And if you can just ask, how is this of value to you? And sales reps will, they'll give you a no. <laughs> gets in my way all the time yeah and so i think that's kind of another driver of that where in ops projects right you can sort of measure did the other one that i talked about this in like a RevOps boot camp thing i think it applies generally to kind of all ops projects as well which is before you build or deploy something decide on a metric like at that moment right before you get yes. live like what's a metric that this is actually going to influence and let's benchmark where have a hypothesis now. and yeah, benchmark have exactly. a, test it. yes exactly. hypothesis yeah. benchmark did it move 
iterate. <laughs> this is yeah. the way. One of the things that I've been playing with with a couple of companies, this is like an interesting thing to layer into it. It's like attribution within attribution almost, but the idea that sounds when marketing terrible. says I want to run a, it does sound terrible. I don't know how to, it's inception, whatever. If marketing comes to you and says, I want, because this is very happy, very frequent marketing ops people, the marketing team will come and say, hey, we want to run a, run a campaign to all the people that would close loss deals in the past six months. And here's what we're going to do, right? And you run these campaigns very specifically. Same with outbound on sales. They'll say, hey, we want to run an outbound effort to, we're going to target these folks is actually you track those campaigns and the success of those campaigns and all that is happening. But one thing you don't really track is, what is the source of that campaign? Meaning the data source. Is the data source sales data? Is it marketing data? So like if marketing says we want to run a campaign to all the closed lots, that's sales data that we're using in a marketing campaign. And product usage data being in that list as well. Like are we tracking the source of the data for that, that informed that campaign? Because from a RevOps standpoint, for me, that is a really helpful thing for me to know. What is proving to be most and least valuable in terms of mm. data that we're connecting for everybody, right? It helps me sort of map that. So if I look at the end of the year and I go, we ran 96 marketing campaigns and 92 of them were based on product usage data. Great. I'm going to turn down any request for sales data next year. It's just not yeah. a priority. Product usage data is what is fundamental for us, right? Or the inverse. But like just as an yeah. example, starting to track attribution no, within a, the that. right it's phrase, but... Yeah, I love the concept. Commerce-powered CRM data would be on the list, is what I'm saying. (laughs) And then you could see what are we using and not using. And it would also identify gaps, right? Because then you could look at a dashboard, basically, that says, here's what we're using and not using. Like, we're not using commerce data. We have all this wonderful data. That sounds really hard to track and manage. I don't think it'd be that hard. I'm thinking real simple, like a pick list. Honestly, like just you know, like camp- we run this campaign, which things do we do? Yeah, and this? You, okay, you make a campaign, you got to pick it. Like that's it. Because I don't need it to be deeper than that necessarily. Okay. Maybe I do ultimately, but yeah, I'm playing with it. So, anyways, well, I'll let I feel like I need a shirt that's like it'll just be a pick list. Yeah, I'm not reinventing the wheel, but anyways, okay. <laughs> and then but I'm gonna segue. I do love a pick, dude. As long as not Maltese, don't let's be clear about this. It's got Why? Why And you're like, it's the worst of all worlds. It's horrible. Yeah, like, just give me free text is somehow not as bad as a Maltese <laughs> like pick list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So then I have to segue us to this week on LinkedIn, which is of course when we answer questions from people who send us questions on LinkedIn. I got four questions today from two people. So I'm going to read one of those that I have not read yet. So we will find out what we get. We'll see how it is. They're usually really good in defense of that. And this guy sent one before and his other one was very good. So the question is, AI is game changing, but I think a lot of ops and sales teams are struggling to find the right use cases for adoption. Can you give one or two tangible examples of how your teams may have implemented AI in a value add way? Oh, this is great. I'm like totally obsessed. Everyone needs to find a way to use ChatGPT in their there job. And if you're not, you're toast. And it's my honest. I think that not using ChatGPT in a function of your job is going to be the equivalent of like, what if somebody just didn't use Google? The difference right. between those two employees is... I mean, I've worked with a lot of people who don't know how to Google much. So. <laughs> I have tangible answers. I have lots of tangible answers. Okay, give, you give us a lot very, very opsy that's insane that like we did. So... We are using it pretty heavily right now for assisting both our development teams as well as just like our technical consulting teams to do coding work. So in HubSpot, right, you have custom coded actions, which run in a workflow very similar to Apex. And we literally used ChatGPT. So we went and said, hey, I'm going to go. I want to push whenever a deal is marked closed one. I want to create an order in my ERP system. And 
not NetSuite, random ERP here. You go to the ERP, you grab the orders API. With GPT-4, you don't even have to do this because you can just be like, read this web page and you can just paste the mm. link to that API documentation. Paste. This is like a real example. You paste it into chat GPT or you hit submit and it says, oh, here's what an orders API call, create call would look like in order to interface with this. You say, wow, that's really cool. Here are some variables that I have that I want to do. And I want you to rewrite that in JavaScript so that it can run in a custom coded action in HubSpot. And it will rewrite that, put it into JavaScript, copy, paste it, paste it into a custom coded action, add an authentication token, and it runs and it works. That's wow. wild. Done. That's awesome. Works. No problem. One example. I can riff for hours on this. I'll give you the secondary example. It's one that I did, which is works. I said, I'm speaking at the thing about inbound on marketing attribution. When we got the confirmation, because like our ops admin went and submitted all of them for us. When we got the confirmation email, I thought it was someone else on our team who submitted that topic because I didn't write that topic. ChatGPT did. And when for inbound, I taught ChatGPT what the format of an inbound submission needed to look like. So like the table was, here are all the stages, here's the different types of sessions, and like taught it how to build the table. And then I gave it my bio, I gave it blog articles, and I was, go fill this out with 30 different ideas in the table format and spat them all out, copied them, put them in a Google Sheet. We uploaded that to inbound, and that's the marketing attribution talk that I'm giving in inbound was one ChatGPT rep. That's awesome. Jeez. That's so sweet. I agree with you, by the way. I think in general, you have to use it. And there's simple ways and there's very complex ways, but it's just so powerful that like not using it even simple ways is just a miss. Next time you get uh, stuck on a Salesforce formula. One of my examples, I had it write me Apex code. I couldn't find an error in Apex code and I was digging through it and digging through it and finally driving, I just pasted it and pasted it, driving me nuts. Yeah. And Apex is difficult and, and I'm not an engineer yeah. and so I pasted it in there and it fixed it in two minutes. Like it was yep. so dumb. I was so angry. I spent like three hours on it. <laughs> but like that, very simple, right? Even more simple than that. One of the things that I was talking to an SDR team about this this week, they were saying, hey, we don't have enough messaging for LinkedIn. But email messaging and LinkedIn messaging are very different things because LinkedIn messaging is, I'm just trying to give you value. They don't solicit on LinkedIn. They just send value. They provide value to people, which is what they've been coached to. They don't have specific messaging to that. I was like, yeah, but guys, you here's what you're going to do. By the way, the team, you as SDRs, this is what you're going to do. You've got all the marketing nurture emails, right? Grab the nurture email, put it in chat GTP, tell it to write you a LinkedIn message based on that nurture email. Because what you're doing is nurturing and it and will and it'll just, crush it, and it'll split that out. And that's your message I've got like three SDR teams doing that now. Cool. Like you're having a hard time with messaging. Use it for these things that are like, seems like a really simple use and it's a no brainer, but it saves so many people an hour a day. Use totally. it. You're now, you can send 20 more messages and get one more response. You book one more meeting. Now you're moving faster. You're doing better, right? I'm using it to even train my team on what are the main pain points that my ICP cares about. How are they measured? Then you can actually feed it content from your own blog and say, all right, summarize this and create an effective uh, cold email that goes out to them. My SDR team's using it all the time now. And I'm pushing, like, yeah. I really do think people are so worried that ChatGPT is going to take over jobs. I, no, I, it's just going to make us better at them. Just like I, the internet I think the, like, that's People it. who know how to use ChatGPT are going to be the ones who yeah. are taking over jobs. It's not like, right. at least so as the, of right now. You know, there's like decades of data that show the internet created yeah, millions exactly. and millions and millions of jobs. AI is not a zero-sum game, man. Like humans produce things and it, right. we all used to be subsistence farmers yeah. and it was not great. Tools. I grew up on a farm, Connor. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. <laughs> Systems farming, specifically. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Hey, I hope it doesn't rain or else we all die. Not great. And I think that over time, right, I think there's not a finite amount of human productivity and 
it's going to get much better. I think where things get really crazy, honestly, and I was talking to Yamini about this earlier this week, the specifically about like what HubSpot's doing with some of the, the AI stuff. ChatSpot, if you haven't played with it, is insane. You should go play with it. Mm-hmm. Darmesh has been working on it. Like GPT-4 uh, on top of HubSpot. You can literally at, tell it, hey, what were our top performing products last quarter? And can you give them to me broken down by state? And it'll kick out a report that you can click on that's formatted in HubSpot. And you can then yeah. edit it. It's insane. But I think where things get crazy is think about support flows and customer support ticket comes in. Here's a pre-drafted response that we think makes sense. And support agents just editing it and figuring it out. It can surface. Here are all the questions that we're getting. And we have insufficient training data because we don't know how to answer. Here are these things that someone should go figure out and write articles about. And then we can automate tier one support from. I think exactly what happens is the experience for everyone gets better because instead of I have to call three different UPS branches today to find some package that didn't get here in this whole thing is I'm just like, hey, can you go find my package and like right. reroute it to me, please? Even like troubleshooting, right? So think about totally. like something electric, like your TV is not working. You can start troubleshooting it online and it'll just take you through that that's process. That's a great example. Of, honestly, right? that's, a, that's yeah. an awesome example. And like, it's so easy. And that's one that Instead I of like, why just... doesn't my Apple TV remote increase the right. volume on my Sonos Reddit? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And like, that's one where I expect that to exist in like three months. Like that stuff is around the corner. Not even three months. Yeah, right. It probably already does. Yeah. My favorite one that I did, and for any consultant, because this is more for marketing consultants, but I had this new company I was working with about two weeks ago. And I got them and I went to their website and I was trying to do my research and really understand the business. An hour into like researching, I was like, I just figure out what this company does. Like I'm like reading your website. That's not good. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then I was just like, what like what the heck? Like I've been I've been reading this for like an hour. I can't figure it out. So I went and took the URL of their website, put it in chat GPT and said, Hey, reading only this website, what does this company do? And Chat GPT came back and it's just an example. They sell apples. I was like, okay, cool. Like super helpful. Like I don't even need to do the rest. So I get on the call and ask them, why don't you guys explain what you do? And on the call they told me they sell oranges. And I was like, oh, this is really bad. Oh, I think we have a branding problem, right? Like, I think we've identified a pretty big gap and figured out, ask the AI, and the AI is looking at it as every man, basically, looking yeah. at your website, and it, it can't figure it out. Came up with the wrong conclusion. You've got missed opportunities, is what this means, you're, right? You're and like, even that, like that, so simple. that workflow is going to get built into the page. So this is- Oh, 100%. Yeah, it'll Here's exist on like Wix and Weebly. It'll be on the back end of That's HubSpot. That's going to be hard. Stuff. It'll just That's tell you. Hard. HubSpot CMS is, this is my long HubSpot. Just go buy stock and you don't have to care about any other things. You can't that. say that on a podcast. <laughs> you can't tell people, <laughs> do not listen. Connor is not a financial advisor. Do not listen to his advice. Full disclaimer. We are not liable for any decisions. Dude, unbelievable. Come on. Here's my point, though. Here's my point, though. So HubSpot CMS is built on the CRM product. Think about all of the data that HubSpot has about every user who's visiting every landing page of every site that HubSpot has access to. And now take your example of we sell oranges and start combining it into the journey data that you capture upstream. All the way through, yes. And what happens is the site is just going to tell you what you want to see. Yeah. This is not A-B testing. It's not multivariate testing. Let's not make yeah, it up. Real-time like dynamic content. It's totally dynamic. It's just, oh, you're looking for a solution for 
integrate yeah. NetSuite yeah. to Salesforce. And, like, and here's your and for. here's your preferred lingo, and here's all this stuff. And here's stuff the site of like, gonna... oh, and I'm not like, oh, well, I visit this thing, and you're an integrator, and you're a CFO, you want to integrate NetSuite to Salesforce? There's a whole de- debate that we could have about the the amount of data that is required on each person in the world to be able to do that, <laughs> which that is absolutely stored out there and discoverable and findable. And we have volunteered it through social media forever. <laughs> we have only ourselves to blame the ethical conundrum we've created here. But no, that's Everything's awesome. And I totally agree. You want it to be. That's the future. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Like, and I would rather have that anyways. Like, let's be honest. Let's make it easier. I don't need to spend 20 minutes trying to find out what your company does. Just tell me what it does. Right? <laughs> just tell me. Hey, Come on. why I went to your website to begin with. Like, that solved my problem for me. Yeah. All right. We are out of time. Connor, it's been awesome. Thank you, everybody, for joining in. Give us five stars. Give us a follow wherever you listen to your podcast. You can follow people on Spotify and Apple now. Give us five stars. Spotify keeps up in their game on those things. Follow us on LinkedIn. Yeah, send us your questions. Go to our website, ogopspod.com. There's some memes there as well as a blog and some other things. I don't know what else is there. (laughs) And then we have an Instagram with also memes. It's at update the CRM. It's my favorite username of all time. And yeah, that's it. Send us your questions. Connor, thank you so much. This was awesome. Thanks, Connor. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. Thank you. See everybody next week. Mm